0: This is Crucial Tech, a podcast about the technology that affects us all, but few of us understand, presented in a format that can give you some basic understanding and the time it takes to drive for the grocery store. I'm Luke Hevy, an independent journalist who's been writing about various technologies ranging from renewable energy to digital security for more than 40 years. I probably know more about it than you do, and if I don't, I will introduce you to those who do. This historical third uh, season of Crucial Tech, we're going to be taking a look at several new issues, and one of them is going to be election security because it's 2020. We got a big election coming up, and luckily, I got a chance to go to the Black Hat 2020 virtual conference this year. Black Hat is a, a meeting of hackers. Uh, a long time ago, it was kind of under under the underground and, and edgy but it's turned into a big corporate event because these black hat hackers know how to break into things and that knowledge is very valuable to the corporate world because if they know how how hackers are going to break in they they can know how to defend against them so it's uh, so hackers go to this thing the guys who like to break into people's machines who break into uh national security uh areas uh some of them will end up being criminals some of them have been criminals it's a fascinating place and i've always wanted to go but i hate las vegas with a passion and they always hold it in las vegas this year because of covid they've decided to do virtual like so many other conferences are and i got to go and it was great and this particular year they decided to focus on election security or how uh Foreign nations break in to our election system to turn it around. And we, we've talked about that. Uh, some people want to call that thing a hoax, but everybody is saying it's happening and it is happening. But it's not happening the way you think, and that was what I got out of this year. So I'm going to be giving you uh, some reports uh, over the next couple of weeks uh, from this, and we're going to start off with a presentation by Matt Blaze, who is the McDivitt Chair for Computer Science and Law at Georgetown University, who uh, was the the, the keynote kickoff uh, on the first day of the conference. And here's the thing he, he pointed out. And I'm not going to give the recording of that be, because I think I can uh, sum it up pretty well here. In the beginning of our country, there was no election technology. When you when you had uh, the election, people would crowd into a building and everyone would say, who's for George Washington? People would raise their hand. And who's for John Adams? And people would raise their hand. And they would count those numbers down and they put them on on a piece of paper and they'd hand it to a guy who was jumping into a horse and he'd go off to the next level and that's how the election would go on. As a matter of fact, I have been in an election in the 20th century that actually did this. It was up in Northern California, and it was a small community uh, that was run by people that trapped their own clothing. (laughs) Really, there were people in buckskins there and coonskin caps, and they smelled bad. And they all piled into this room that was heated by this potbelly stove, which was glowing dull red with the heat. And they, they did an election. During the presidential election, they were voting for whether it was going to be Jimmy Carter or Gerald Ford. And I was there. And they asked, who, who votes for uh, Gerald Ford? And a few people raised their hands on who votes for Jimmy uh, uh, Carter. And most of the people raised their hands. And that's how that community voted. So it d- did happen, even up at, d- until probably even today. Because there is no law that says your vote has to be secret. It was just something that happened to occur uh, and has become traditional. And that's why we now we have secret ballots where we punch or we write or we draw in a square. So that's the way it was. And But paper ballots in themselves were the earliest form of election technology. You fill out your ballot, you put it into a sealed box, and as long as the seals are left untampered, you had a secure election. This is is what Matt Blaze was saying. And that became the expectation that one's vote was secret. Then came the direct recording where people would pull levers in a crude type of uh, mechanical computer where the only electricity that was needed uh, was a light in the curtain booth so you could see what you were doing. The computer age brought us punch cards and machines that counted the ballots. And today we have voting computers with touch screens along with optical scanners for hand marked ballots. Now, all of those methods are valid as long as the electorate has confidence in the mechanism, in the system itself. All you have to do to erode confidence in the outcome of that election is to instill doubt in the system. And that's really close to where we are today, and it happened because of foreign involvement. Now, there are contradictions in our expectations for elections, Uh, Number one, uh, we demand that our votes be absolutely secret, as we've talked about, even though we loudly proclaim our voices on social media. But at the same time, we require absolute transparency on those votes on a granular level. We also have to have legal requirements on when an election is certified. And those absolutes make it almost impossible for a do-over and still keep the, the vote secure. Now, Th- that, that, those three concepts and the fact that we have a highly complex and decentralized election system, probably the most decentralized election system in the world, uh, makes it really hard for people to actually futz with that system. Uh, each, uh, uh, the federal government gives very broad standards, but each state sets its own rules and requirements with counties running the actual election on mechanisms and procedures that the county chooses, and within each county, votes are organized by precincts. And in 2016, according to Blaze, there were 116,990 individual polling places and almost 180,000 different <laughs> precinct ballots with four to ten workers per polling place. And as far as uh, secure elections go, that is the best of all possible worlds. Now, someone or some state actor can affect a few precinct outcomes with by hacking on, on a particular machine, and there have been lots of stories about that. As a matter of fact, um, uh, there's, a, there's a movie called The Kill Zone, which is about how... Uh, Hackers figured out how to, how to break into computerized voting machines and actually change votes. Uh, you can see it on a special on HBO, and I highly recommend it. It's really creepy. But it showed how uh, one hacker could be sitting out in a parking lot of a polling place and using the, the available Wi-Fi, break into the computer and change the votes. So it can happen. But the problem is you have to do it at every precinct. You have to do it on every machine. And there are four different kinds of machines that we use, that are computerized machines that we use in this country from two particular companies. One of them happens to be Canadian. And you have to be able to break into all of the uh, to that particular technology and go to every one of the precincts that are using it. Now, um, on a uh, only in the case of a very close election can a failure in a county election system affect the outcome of a national election. Now, that's that's happened fairly recently. In the election, uh, in in the campaign between Al Gore and George W. Bush, we have the famous "Hanging Chad" issue, and this is one of the things that uh, Blaze brought out. I never really understood what the problem was. Other than that, they take a punch card and slip it into the slot, and then they have an overlay of the the uh, the 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 ballot, and you make your choices by pushing your stylus through the hole at the ballot, and it would make your choice that way. And if it didn't punch all the way through, then you had what was called the hanging chad, or it might be indented. Well, how did that happen? You, you would think that they'd figure that out. Well, here, here's how it happened. When you have a popular choice, the, the, the voter punches that hole in the card, and the little paper chad falls into, into the hole. And if he's really popular, those chads start building up and building up and building up so that eventually at the end of the day the the voter will punch that chad out and it will land on top, or will try to punch the chad out and it will land it will be cushioned by all the other chads that are hanging underneath it and so it doesn't get punched all the way now yeah. Blaze pointed out that this was not necessarily that bad of a problem because all elections are hand verified. Every vote that we do is hand verified by election workers and volunteers. And he showed a picture of a guy taking a look at one of those punch cards from the, the uh, uh, political or fr- from that particular contest and his glasses are up on his forehead and he's squinting at this card which has a dimple in it where the Chad wasn't completely pushed through. And he's verifying that that was the vote for whoever that candidate was. So that happens. And that that is a mechanical flaw. But of all the voting methods, the most secure has turned out to be early voting and vote by mail. In 2016, only 24% of the voters voted by mail and 17% participated in early voting. But because of the pandemic, in this election, more people are going to be using those options than ever before. And that increases the complexity of counting the votes on top of the inherent complexity of the entire U.S. system. Now, there are consistent threats to the election system that have nothing to do with state actors trying to interfere. There are the traditional problems of selling votes, you know how that works, how uh, precinct workers will go or, or political bosses will come in and give 50 bucks to somebody and say, make sure you vote for my candidate. It may not work on a presidential level, but it does work locally and it still happens and it's still illegal. Then you have stuffing ballot boxes with dead people. Uh, and th- there was a claim that and then we'll get to that in another episode about how a rumor in Florida came out that there were a 1,000 votes by people who were supposedly 110 years old and older. In other words, they went out and got the records of people who were dead and registered them and tried to vote. Uh, That has happened in the past. It happened in Chicago. uh, Mayor Daley was really famous for doing that, uh, showing uh, Democrats showing up that, that hadn't been alive since the 1800s. But for the most part, these me- there are mechanisms to prevent those kind of issues. That could be even better if we didn't spend more money on campaigns than we do on conducting elections, because that's true. About 1% of all the money spent in a national campaign is actually spent on securing the elections. Relaying on technology over people is another problem, according to Blaze. The Help America Vote Act in 2000 modernized voting to help disabled Americans use voting machines, and that's where touchscreens came into use. The voter used hardware and software to vote. The totals were recorded on another bit of hardware and software, usually a thumb drive, and then plugged into another hardware and software-based system. The only human involvement was the original vote from the voter and the person carrying the recording device to the tabulating device. Each hardware and software node in this system is a potential attack plane for a hacker. Or it could be a potential for technology glitches that change the votes, as was discovered in the 2018 midterm elections in Georgia, where people would, play, would use their finger and they would touch a, a particular candidate or, or issue, and it would re- it, they'd see it on the screen as it registering for something else. So they'd go back, and do it again, and it would still vote that way. It was never proven that somebody had fussed with it to make that happen, but it was so obvious that people complained about it. And it turned out to be a glitch in the system. Two years ago, at Black Hat, they held a DEF CON voting village event. Surplus voting machines were purchased over eBay, which is legal, okay, And the event found that the machines were subject to denial of service attacks, count altering, forgery, malware insertion, firmware bugs, and just changing the ballot display. According to Blaze, the bottom line on voting machines is, every system is terrible. So according to Daniel Cuthbert, who is the global head of saber security at Banco Santander and a member of the Black Hat Review Board, he said that the DNC this last year has been following up on that work by buying the surplus machines and trying to look for weaknesses. And there are two popular internet solutions, paper ballots and no software involved, and when I say Internet solutions, I say so, I mean solutions that people are suggesting on the Internet. Paper ballots and no software involved, or moving to a blockchain-based app, both of which have severe limitations, but the least being is the extreme objection by most state governments to radical change. But there have been a few breakthroughs. One of them is risk-limitation audits uh, on optical scan uh, results on a paper ballot. Using statistical measurement software... The totals are analyzed according to statistical trends similar to what pollsters use to declare a winner. If the statistics don't match up with the actual count, they assume there there must be a problem with the count, so a complete audit is instituted on the fly. But when you look at the current situation caused by the pandemic, vote by mail, according to Blaze, is the most reliable form of voting right now. Christopher Krebs, who came on in another session. Krebs is the Director of Cybersecurity and Infrastructure at Homeland Security. The attempt to attack our election system in 2016, Krebs said, launched a significant effort to deal with the holes, the technology holes, in the uh, to make the 2020 election the most secure election in history. And now, I, I don't necessarily disagree with this guy. Yes, he's working in the Trump administration, but before that he was working in the Obama administration. So he's a guy that knows this stuff. He he is an expert in this area. So we have a secure technology right now. But he also said that paper ballots have the best risk management because they are totally auditable and transparent. The problem is, is that paper ballots take time to count. And Right now, we have some of the lowest amount of volunteers and part-time workers to work the, the election system, uh, to, to count those votes, to, to guarantee that they happen. And now let me talk a little bit about how, uh, how secure your vote by mail is, because there's some concern about that, that they can, they can be duplicated, that they can be copied, that they can be uh, forged. It's very difficult. Uh, I've been voting by mail for for some time because in California, you don't need an excuse to get an absentee ballot. You can just request one Uh, and you don't have to give a reason. You've never had to give a reason for it. Uh, I live in San Mateo County, which actually incorporated vote by mail in the last midterm election. Uh, and it worked beautifully. Now, the thing is, what happens is that you get your ballot in the mail. It comes to you to the place, that you, the, the address that you have registered you, where you live at. If you don't live there anymore, then your ballot's not going to come to your new address. You have to re-register. And that's where we have a, a certain problem. Most people don't know that their ballot just won't automatically follow them or if they they turn in a change of address to the post of, post office that will automatically get forwarded. It doesn't. You have to re-register. If they don't have your current address, you are not registered to vote. So that's one thing to keep in mind. So you get your ballot. You fill it out. You pull off the receipt tab. You got to remember to do that and put it in a safe place because they've never done it in my lifetime, but they do want to follow up on that. So anyway, you pull that off, you fold up your ballot, you put it in the envelope, and then you sign the ballot, and you put in the address, and you got to make sure that you sign the ballot the same way you signed when you first registered. If your signature has changed, if you don't do it exactly that way, someone is going to take a look at that ballot when they open it up, they're going to compare it to your signature and if it doesn't match up it's going to be invalidated now they will probably let you know that but that's something you re- need to realize that's one of the one of the ways that you cannot get by to, uh, ch- uh, or cheating on the ballot in fact if you're going to vote by mail there's also a place where it says you are authorizing someone to carry this ballot to the post office or you're authorizing, authorizing them to take it into the county. Only that person can do that. That means you can't put your ballot into a FedEx envelope because you cannot authorize the FedEx person to personally delivered that that goes by the guy who picks it up who puts it uh, another guy who puts it into the box another guy who puts it onto the truck and there's multiple people in between and the election system does not allow that the postal post office however is a registered government agent so by turning it over to the post office you are giving it to an authorized person to receive your ballot you can also just pick that thing up and hand carry it into the county, which is what I do. I don't I don't even rely on the, on the post office. And this year, because of the uh, turmoil in the post system, in leadership and cutting back on hours and cutting back on overtime, it's going to be kind of difficult. And I want to get to that point in a little bit, too. But Krebs wanted to emphasize that there, his what he called his three P's. Preparation, participation, and patience. In preparation, you need to know how you want to vote, know the deadlines of when you have to have that stuff in, and know where you need to go to vote. Find out now. Find out today, not later. Okay, because if you do, your your ballot in California, you can you can. It can arrive at the county up to seven days after the the election day. But that means it has to be postmarked before midnight. Not two seconds after midnight, but before midnight on election day. You got to make sure that happens. And if you can't make sure it happens, then get your ass down to the county. There will be a box waiting for you to slide your ballot in. Okay, it doesn't even matter if it has a postmark at that place, as long as it's in the hands of the county at the time. Or if your your county has voting areas, has voting booths and things like that, uh, which we don't have in California anymore. But if you do, then you can hand carry your vote by mail ballot to one of those locations in Michigan. They're actually setting up secure metal boxes. I mean, these things look like tanks. They are secure and you can drop your ballot in there. So there's going to be all kinds of ways to take that paper ballot, which is the most secure ballot you can use, anywhere in the country. Anywhere. Even the places that are are dissuading people from doing vote by mail. You can do it. Uh, Participation. As I said, we're facing a time where we have fewer workers than ever to handle the, uh, the election and this year we're going to need more people than ever because it's going to be a nightmare to count these ballots. Some states like California, they will pay you to do it. So one of the things you can do to guarantee uh, your vote will be counted, to your neighbor's vote will be counted, that this is this election will happen in a timely manner is to volunteer to get your butt into the process. So that's the second piece preparation and participation. Finally, patience. Because we are taking these precautions to ensure a proper vote count, we need to all wait patiently for the certified votes. We've become lazy and uh, entitled over the past decades because we can find out the results of an election before midnight. Okay, we have election watch parties where we listen to what's going on, and we say, "Okay, goody goody goody, we have a new election," or "Nuts, the wrong people, the wrong person won. It's not going to happen this year. Don't expect it. It's not going to happen. You have to be patient. Uh, th- think about what it was like for your for our forefathers, who voted and didn't find out for months." <laughs> That's the way it is. It didn't happen for months, and we have to get used to that. Uh, That's going to be it for this episode. The next episode, we're going to get into the skullduggery that goes into how foreign nations are affecting how we do things. If you have questions, comments, corrections, whatever, uh, go to anchor.fm slash crucial tech, and you can make a voice recording. Giving me your question, comment, or correction. Uh, we can, you can also send me uh, comments at footwashermedia.com/slash contact. Uh, yeah, you can leave uh, your name and maybe something more. But if you leave an audio, I might put you on the next show. So this has been Crucial Tech with Lou Covey of Footwasher Media Production.